Welcome to I'd Rather Be in Paris, a podcast for the aspiring expat. I'm your host, Juan Ulloa. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of uh, I'd Rather Be in Paris. Today, we have the author, professor, editor, Janet Hulstrand. Janet, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So, uh, Janet, uh, your new book, Demystifying the French, which I had the pleasure of reading, uh, it's, it's, it's a very easy read, um, but also, uh, for me, I, I walked away learning quite a bit. But what I find fascinating is that, you know, you're, you actually spent part of your, um, part of the year in France and have a longstanding love affair with the country. How, how did that begin for you? I don't actually even know how it started exactly because it goes so far back and it started in a place where there was really no reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't have a French, French family roots. Nobody in my immediate world spoke French. I, so I, what I usually say in answer to that question is that I think probably what happened is that way back somewhere in my childhood, it probably had something to do with hearing the language which mm. is so beautiful. And so a lot of what drew me here in the first place was wanting to speak that language. Um, I started studying French as soon as I could, which I was growing up in Minnesota, and the first chance I got to study French was uh, in ninth grade, so I was 14 years old. And I studied it through high school and a little bit in college. And then once I got out of college, um, the first thing I wanted to do was travel. Mm -hmm. and I wanted to go right straight to France. Um, so then I got here at the age of 25 and um, instantly fell in love with the place. And it hasn't, that has not changed. So, but it was, I, I really think it probably was something about the language. This is something I've been writing about a little bit because I'm working also now on my, um, my memoir, which is a work in progress and has been a work in progress for longer than I should even care to say. Um, but yeah, I think it goes back to some kind of early fascination with the whole idea of this place called France. And I just wanted to get here and see what it was. And when I got here, it was every bit as wonderful as I had hoped, and even more so, I would say. Now, that's interesting. It, it, so France met your expectations. More than, and, yeah. But... <laughs> But then you, you write a book called Demystifying the French. Right. So there's, as much as it met your expectations, there's still a lot, of, a lot to wade through, so to speak. Yeah, there is. Well, the thing is that what I often say about the French is that, um, because I've done a lot of teaching over the years, I, I, I teach um, a literature class that I developed called Paris, a literary adventure for CUNY students most summers in Paris, mm -hmm. have since 1997. And... Um, so, you know, and then I, it, for a long time I was teaching um, classes uh, when I was living in Washington, D.C., teaching classes at Politics and Prose Bookstore. Mm -hmm. um, most of those classes were built around books written about France, um, mostly by Americans. And um, so one of my favorite things to say about the French is that um, they have many great qualities. Um, they have many, many wonderful qualities, but one of them is not flexibility. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 
that's one of the things that happens to people and certainly happened to me when I first got here and happened to me for a really long time before I figured out what was going wrong. Um, there are certain really very important and very fixed rules about how you start social interactions in France, for example. And if you, if you don't do my tip number one in the book is um, instead of smiling, say bonjour. It's so important to say bonjour before you say anything else. And this is like this big important rule of etiquette that mm -hmm. Americans and I imagine other people from other places too. It's very easy to break it if you don't know it. And as soon as you do, you're kind of off on the wrong foot with the French. So, so yes, I, I, I fell in love with the country for many reasons. I had a lot of really good experiences. But I also had a lot of um, not so good experiences where I was sort of realizing that I was doing something wrong, but I didn't know why. Mm -hmm. And a lot of why I wanted to write this book. I mean, there are other books. There's, I'm certainly not the first person to tell people it's important to say bonjour. There are other books about it. Um, but I wanted to have a, a really um, kind of easy to get through, boil it down to the essentials book that could be for people going there for the first time and also for people, you know, because there are a certain number of expats here who have been spending time here, even some some people living here for long periods of time and they're still annoyed with the French all the time. And <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted to write a book that would say, you know, kind of explain what some of these rules are that I have learned over the years and um, and also just give um, some understanding of the rationale behind why the French are the way they are. So a lot of people think that they're just difficult or they're arrogant or they're rude. They're all these things that you hear. And it's really not any of that. There's always a better reason behind it than that, or almost always, almost always. Well, I think what, what, what came across to me after reading the book was that um, there's a, a significant emphasis put on propriety and privacy mm -hmm. among the French, which I think it's not that it didn't exist here in the States. I mm -hmm. think it, it's just it's lost is not the, the proper term. I think it's it's you know times have changed where I think Americans uh, like to buck tradition, buck trends, you know, mm -hmm. and if you look at it, we've become much more of an informal society. Right. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I for one, you know, I was in New York visiting my mother a couple of weeks ago, and I was flipping through some old photos of of my brother and I as children, and my daughter sitting next to us, and these are pictures of my brothers and I's birthday parties, you know, four, five, six years old, and my daughter was immediately struck by the fact that everyone was dressed up, you know, the kids were in, you know, slacks, the girls were in dresses. The, you know, everybody was dressed to the nines for a kid's party. Hmm. Um, but I had to explain to my daughter, back then, that's how it was. <laughs> you know, that, that's, what, that's what, was, what was expected. Uh -huh. um, even though it was just kind of a kid's party, it, was never, it wasn't necessarily uh, an occasion not to dress properly. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, in, in reading those passages in your book, I, I was struck and it, and it kind of, I came to a realization that propriety is everything. It's mm -hmm. it's a you know there's a correct way um, yeah. to do things, 
And once we kind of figure out that that particular thing, you know, our our life in France uh, will, will be a lot easier. Right. Now, um, where do you spend most of your time when you're when you're in France? Most of my time when I'm in France, I'm I'm in this little village of Esquois, mm-hmm. which is in the Champagne region, which is now they've just sort of reorganized the regions of France, and it's mm-hmm. now Le Grand Est. The, the, which means the big east. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it, it's in Champagne, is to the east of Paris, a couple of hours, most places, depending on where you're going, but it's also very far north to south. So parts of Champagne are to the northeast of Paris and parts are to the southeast. We're mm-hmm. to the southeast, um, really almost on the border of Burgundy. Okay. And so that's where I spend most of my time. So you have a particularly unique perspective, I think, because with the course that you teach for CUNY, for the City University of New York, you're in Paris for at least a month Mm -hmm. with your students. Mm -hmm. And then you have a much more suburban existence or country existence in Eswa. It's definitely rural. (laughs) It's it's a very small village. Um, It's 750 people. Oh, wow. But even though it's a small village, it is, uh, it is actually the commercial center for even smaller villages around. So it has really almost everything. One of the things that's wonderful about Esra, and part of the reason we decided to get a home here, is that um, it has almost everything you need. I mean, there's a couple of things I wish. I wish the train came here. It doesn't. That would be convenient. But, um, but uh, you know, the bank doctors, um, pharmacy, little grocery store, a couple of bakeries, you have to have two, mm-hmm. that everybody can have fresh bread every day, <laughs> and the bakers can have their days off. Of course. <laughs> um, and, you know, a couple of chatters. So it's, it's, a, it's a very complete village, um, but it is small. And it's, a, you know, it's a, it's a farming community. This is... Uh, the main um, crops here are grapes for champagne, and then also there are fields of um, wheat and uh, the grain that makes canola oil, which in mm-hmm. English is called rapeseed, a word I don't really like. <laughs> the French call it colza, and I am hereby proposing that we pick up the French word. It's just a nicer word. <laughs> um, and some sunflowers. There are some sunflowers <clears throat> growing near here this year. They rotate the crops a bit, but those are the main crops from around here. So yeah, it's really it's really quiet rural existence. So, so you you'll have a good perspective on the French. Uh, what what do you see are the differences between? Well, everyone says Paris is not France. <laughs> right. So, uh, given that you, you, you spend your time in Paris and in, let's say, France, mm-hmm. um, what are the differences between the people? Because the, the one thing I'm noticing uh, is that uh, in the groups that, that I belong to online and, and, and that you and I have in common in, in a lot of cases, uh, I'm noticing that a lot of frequent travelers to Paris are venturing out beyond mm-hmm. the Parisian environs into other areas of the country. So what would uh, what would you come what would someone come to expect once they leave Paris? Well, 
it depends a great deal where you go. I mean, one of the wonderful things about France is how uh, the, the great variety of landscapes, cuisines, um, local, regional histories, uh, everything. Uh, within this country, which is basically, France is about the same size as Texas. Okay. So that's only one state, but it's a big state. Yes. And um, it takes a long time to drive across Texas, and it takes a long time to drive across France, too. I think a lot of times people don't know that. So one of the wonderful things about where I am is that it's not really that far from Paris. It's about, a, from from Paris to Eswa, whether you drive partway and take take the train part way and then drive or drive the whole way. It's about two and a half hours from Paris. Okay. So it's not too bad. No. And, and, um, and it's a wonderful place to visit because, and I don't want to fail to mention because, uh, one of the sort of Eswa's claim to fame is that it is, was the, the, um, village that was the summer home of the Renoir family for about oh, really? 30 years and actually more than 30 years because until a couple of years ago, uh, the great-granddaughter of Pierre-Auguste Renoir, the painter, was uh, still spending her summers here in the family home. And then a few years ago, she sold the home to the village, and they went about a very ambitious project of restoring, or, you know, restoring it and sort of making it into a, it's not really technically a museum, but it's, it's a, a restored home that you can visit and it's set up to be the way it was at the time that the Renoir family was spending their summers here back in the turn of the 20th century. So um, it's, a, it's a really interesting um, thing to visit in this part of the country. And it's not that far from Paris. And then there's all these other things around. I mean, you know, there's battlefields from the wars that go back actually to the time of Attila behind. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's, um, you know, there's champagne. I mean, it's a wonderful thing to do around here is to just drive around all these little villages in which champagne is being made in this part of Champagne. Uh, it's mostly being made by small family run um, operations or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe co-op size, but not these huge um, up around France and Epernay. Mm -hmm. Is where there's that's where Tetanger and Moichandon and all these big labels um, are made and, and and you know things are set up for tourism. But here you can kind of drive from village to village and just stop in when you see somebody's cob open and go in and taste the wine and talk to the people who make it. And um, so I mean that's one of the things that you that's th those are a couple of things that you can do here. Um, but it depends, you know, everywhere you head in France, there's something different to see. If you go to Brittany, it's the, you know, the ocean and the sort of rough coast. Um, you can go to the south of France. Of course, a lot of people know about that, but that's quite a bit further away from Paris. Mm -hmm. um, it's a much longer drive down there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's rich. <laughs> the, the country is so rich in things to do and see and experience. It, it, it's one of the reasons why... I just keep coming back here. <laughs> I, I, I empathize. <laughs> um, you know, thankfully, we'll, you know, my family and I will be going uh, for a very brief trip at the end of October. So it was kind of last minute thing, but we're, we're, we're glad to be able to go. But, you know, it makes me wonder, you know, it's interesting that you chose to be 
in the Champagne region as opposed as an American versus, let's say, Paris. I mean, expense and and big city living lifestyle aside, I think honestly, the you know being outside of Paris, being someplace like Champagne, would encourage you to 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 see the rest of the country. Uh, I, you know, coming from a big city, living in a big city now, um, I find sometimes that the the problem with big city living is that there's so much to do mm-hmm. that you get stuck yeah. and you don't explore beyond your environment, yeah. which I think living outside of Paris gives you the added benefit of of uh, encouraging you to, to, to visit the rest of the country. So, so are you going to come to Paris next time, or are you- yeah? So, so yeah. So we'll be we'll be um, we'll be coming to Paris for a few days. Um, we have friends that are living there now um, that will be uh, in the states for a couple of days visiting family. So, they offered us the opportunity to house it. Oh, great! So I can't say no to that. <laughs> I can't say no to that. We we've stayed at their place before, and it's it's in the seventeenth, so it's a lot more. Um, a lot more of a residential community, mm-hmm. which I like, um, and um, we've gotten to know the neighborhood pretty well. So, so it'll be it'll be fun to go back and have that familiarity again. Yeah, that's great. So, um, you also do uh, conduct writers workshops in this mm-hmm. Tell um, us a little bit about that. They're called writing from the heart workshops, and what they are really is um, my workshops are designed to help people either get started with writing or maybe get restarted if they're stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, not, they're, not, um, they're not about specific aspects of craft or technique or genre or anything like that. What I do is I, I bring people here to this wonderful little village that is really um, beautiful. The landscapes are beautiful. It's quiet. It's a great place to retreat, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 that's what I try to do in my workshops is to get people. I've actually s- sort of set them up in the beginning. Um, what I wanted to do is I wanted to have a workshop that would be that could work either for somebody who has never written anything. I mean, everybody writes stuff all the time, but who had never thought of themselves as a writer at no. all and was probably afraid to do so but had this desire to try. So from somebody on that novice level to maybe somebody who's been a professional writer all their life, learned they're living that way, you know, working in PR or, I don't know, all the different kinds of ways you can earn a living writing, but never had the chance to write from the heart. Yes. And the thing that really those two t- uh, people at two opposite ends of the pole in a way have in common is fear. is fear of writing from the heart of putting yourself out there and and saying i'm going to do this and so what i try to do is set up a a very nurturing encouraging environment um with a small group of people and get people to just you know try things take risks um experiment i i give prompts we meet in the mornings and and then in the afternoons we do I usually have some activities set up for people who want to, or, you know, some people sometimes come here and they have something specific they want to work on. So they, they don't really want a lot of activities and that's fine. Um, I always tell people you don't have, 
that usually a large part of the time that we spend together is spent with people sharing what they've written, but nobody is ever required to do so because okay. of that thing about people being afraid. <laughs> so I don't want anyone ever to feel like they have to. Um, so that's basically what I do. Those are what my workshops are like. And I'm, I, don't, I don't have the next one scheduled yet, but I'm sort of just getting ready to go about organizing the next one. I'm not sure when it'll be, but I'm hoping in the fall of 2020. So um, if people want to keep um, uh, on top of your progress with respect to the, the writing workshops in ESWA, uh, where, can they, where can they connect with you? They can um, follow my, my uh, website, which is uh, JanetHallstrand.com. Um, and I don't know if there's probably a way, is there going to be a way for you to show the link on your? Oh, yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll make sure to post all the links, yeah, links the in the show notes and such. Yeah, that's the place to watch. Um, I think it will probably, I, I've been um, talking with Politics and Prose Bookstore. I think we're, I'm probably we will be working with them to do this next workshop. Um, but the, the first and best place to get the information initially is from my website. Great. Well, I'll make sure to have links, uh, links uh, on our website and uh, in the show notes for this so folks can, can, um, can reach out to you. Um, we, I want to remind all the listeners that there is an excerpt of Demystifying the French uh, on our website right now. Uh, just visit the, the blog section. And there's links there to purchase the book as well, which I highly recommend. Um, my wife is already reading it. <laughs> I finished it yesterday. My wife's already reading it. So, um, so, um, but you know, honestly, the um, I have to compliment you because there's you you you're giving tips, um, but there's also honestly, I I, I was kind of struck by how much I would laugh. I mean, you have a very nice sense of humor. <laughs> Um, but there's a way that you 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 feed us the information that's you know it's it's an easy read but it's it's humorous um, but it's also respectful of the French um, and and their history and their culture um, and, and the fact of the matter is that you know we we as Westerners are going to as Americans predominantly are going to to their country so it's it's important for us to to be open-minded and adjust to them. And little by little, they'll adjust to us as well. You know, it's it's. Um, but I learned a great deal from the book, so I highly encourage everybody listening to to give it a read. I think it's well worth it. Um, Janet, thank you very much for your time. Um, best of luck uh, on demystifying the French. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the I Rather Be in Paris podcast. Before I go, just want to remind everyone to visit us online at I'dRatherBeInParis.com and to follow our profiles on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to keep the conversation going in between episodes. See you soon. Bye-bye.